podcasting from the world's most livable city, Melbourne. This is the Your Career Down Under Show, a podcast dedicated to help newly arrived skilled migrants and settled migrants with their career and employment issues. We interview recruiters, career coaches, HR experts and employers who share tips, techniques and insights to help you land a job quickly and rapidly advance your career. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Naishad Gadani coming to you from Melbourne. And uh, Melbourne, which is currently under stage four restrictions. And what it means is that we can't go out of the home after eight o'clock until five o'clock in the morning, I think, except in this screen that you see, only Tom and uh, Hugh Jackman, also known as Dan, can also go out whenever they wish to except us we are all in quarantine quarantine but but that's how it is i, I think we have, we have seen another day of spike in uh, in victoria which is which is absolutely you know, you know concerning for for all of us and especially for the frontline workers so our our really best wishes to the to the people who are dealing with this at the very front line um, but the the show must continue and to celebrate our 100, 100 episodes, we have gathered a team of guardians of optimism today. And I like this, this um, you know, the Marvel route that I've taken, which is probably because of that I've seen a lot of Avengers movies in my quarantine period when I was in <laughs> India. And this is completely inspired. My kids are looked at as a that you're copying Marvel? And I said, yeah, I am, you know. But look, it's it's an amazing time, you know. Thank you very much uh, to Tom, uh, to Dan, to Shondell and Sean. You know, we're really, um, you know, looking forward to this uplifting chat with all of you. Uh, but before I hand it over to KB, there's a, there's a, there's a bit of, what we say, uh, retro news or 13 years back, this was the day that I, I landed in Australia and it was in Brisbane um, and after 13 a lot of people tell this story like I came to came to Australia with two bags and $30 in my pocket and after this many years I've got a one million dollar and such and such I think I exactly probably have the same amount of money in my bank not having <laughs> not have more money I think probably similar amount of money um, you know and a huge and a huge home loan debt so I think that's that's an extra thing that I've taken on. Welcome to but, uh, Yeah, that's right. And uh, you know, so thank you for Australia for making making me part of this amazing community. Uh, so before uh, you know, we introduce the guest. Let's welcome Caroline Brown. Thanks, Nation. It's great to be here. And um, actually, went out for a bit of a walk, and it was Shandell. Uh, you relate to this because you live fairly near me. It was funny when I left the gate and by the time I got to the end of the road it was raining so uh, that I think that's the way it goes at the moment um, you know the weather being a metaphor for what's happening in Melbourne but um, I'm really happy to be here I'm delighted that we've got a great bunch of people here um, sharing their stories about optimism because I think um, something that we all need and, and you know I was saying to people that read my blog today that 
um, something, there's lots and lots of different uh, definitions of optimism. So hopefully with what um, you guys are going to share that people can connect and relate to what optimism means to them as well. So thank you all for, for joining us. Um, if you've got any comments or you want to share your story about optimism, please do put it in the comments. Um, we're going live on YouTube for the third time. It's a little bit of an experiment. So if you're watching on YouTube, you know what to do. Give us a thumbs up. Give us a subscribe. We're now up to five subscribers, not including or including Nation Eye. So come <laughs> <laughs> on, guys, support the social proof. Give us yeah. a thumbs up. Exactly. <laughs> so I'm, I'm glad that the value of a person is not actually everyone starts with zero. That's right. Exactly right. And That's I'm right. glad that the value of a person is actually with the debt that they carry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. yeah. So, um, yeah. So to get started today, what I'll get, I'll, I'll get you guys to introduce yourself. Maybe starting with Tom and then Sean, Chandel, and Hugh, and um, start with. Introducing yourself and, and just telling people what, what makes you optimistic. What's your personal definition of optimism that's helped you through some tough times? Tom's going first. So, <laughs> Tom, yeah, uh, yeah. My name's Tom Broxham. I'm Canadian living in. Yeah, oh, so I'm a Canadian living in New Zealand. And uh, what kind of gives me optimism is just how things have been going for me the last few months and just looking into the future of what's going on uh, and so a lot of things have been quite good for me but uh i was telling nacious a little earlier that a couple weeks ago I, I went and i looked at myself i was like oh man i'm just i'm looking really tired and sleep deprived from, from just from everything and like i i have a 10 week old and so i came home the one I was like i gotta i gotta cut my head and then I just started shaving the one side a little bit and I looked down and I realized the clip was on the ground and I, I shaved almost my head right off. I'm like, oh, that's good. That's not what I want to do. Some hope that it's going to go back a little bit faster. <laughs> so you're optimistic that your hair will After that, I realized, okay, I, I don't want to do this again. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's all and part all the of learning. Makers, all the beanie makers are extremely optimistic yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. And Sean, do you want to um, introduce yourself and uh, tell us what makes you optimistic or what your definition of optimism is? Well, um, I think it, it's an interesting one to follow, Tom. I. Um, my name's Sean Beatty and I actually, I don't think I would give myself a definition of a role title other than um, I call myself the Chief Empowerment Officer. So really my, my role is to help uh, empower people to lead more meaningful lives. And I do that in various ways. For me, um, coming from an Indian background, I think optimism is a really interesting topic because being Indian, we're, we're nurtured into being quite orientated to faith and religion. And whilst I don't hold religion as a um, as my saviour for optimism, I think the definition of optimism for me is really faith. Uh, and it's interesting that you call this, you know, the marvels and the guardians. I do believe in the marvels of the universe and the guardians of angels. 
Um, and for me, optimism really is around believing in that, uh, believing in yourself, believing in the universe, believing in people, and believing that the the better things or the right things, actually better is probably the wrong word, the right things will come for you. So mm. when things go wrong, um, they're meant to because they're supposed to guide you to the right direction. Mm. For, for me in life, I think there's been many, um, and, and the reason I say this is a hard act to follow after Tom, who's into comedy, uh, as much as I love having Bert and Ernie as my team fellows at the back. Um, but for me, I think life has taken a few interesting twists and turns from um, going through sickness yourself or going through sickness with my mum having had cancer, my brother having had cancer, uh, my dad uh, passing away with, with mental health issues, um, my daughter herself having had challenges, my son having had challenges, I myself have been through health issues of adrenal fatigue and um, you know various things as well and depression myself but I think you know we also go through different things in life for example job changes or um, I was made redundant in, in April in my role but these are all um, as I said directions that give you or part, you know signals that you get in your journey in life for you to actually realize that there is um, a path for you to follow and for me that optimism is really in line with that the um, I think my story that I would like to share is probably not my story but my, my story of my auntie my um, the reason that I moved into working in supporting people in health and well-being is because in 2018 I lost my the first male love of my life who I would actually call my my uncle um, I lost him to suicide and we all lost him and for me the optimism that I see and I'd love to dedicate this is to my auntie who was the one who's most struck and most impacted and to be able to work through the various emotions and to move forward in life and to see the new new journey in life new path in life new opportunities in life to me I think that's the, the definition that I have of, of optimism and optimism as well. So for me, it's really around the belief, the faith, uh, that opportunities are there for me to follow in my journey. Mm. Gosh, people are so resilient sometimes. You know, you just see, it does give you a great deal of faith, I think. So, yep. yeah. yeah. Thanks for sharing that. That's, that's really, yeah. I don't know what to say, really. It's, that is very inspiring. Kudos, kudos to her. Yeah. <laughs> kudos to your auntie, absolutely. Yeah. Hopefully she'll uh, get an opportunity to watch uh, your tribute to her. Uh, so yeah. hello, everybody. My name is Chondelle Lavazetta, um, and I specialise in helping people fire their itty-bitty shitty committee, uh, a master trainer of NLP. And um, the itty-bitty shitty committee, for those who aren't acquainted, acquainted with that is the group of people that sit on your shoulder and tell you why you can't have what you want and why it's never going to work out. Um, and so um, my purpose is really about inspiring confidence in others so that they can make empowered decisions. And why this topic is so important to me and what, what optimism really represents to me is um, much in line with what the beautiful um, demonstration that um, Sean gave. And, and, you know, when I think about this, it's a little bit aligned with the idea of hope and what it is is it's a, it's a deep sense of congruent trust in myself and my ability to be able to know that regardless of whatever challenges 
are presented in my pathway, there's always a solution. I have a firm belief that when a problem is created, a solution is created simultaneously, and it's only a matter of time before we get those back together. And I'm so grateful for the fact that I have that trust and that depth of understanding that even if I don't have the answer right now, I know that I have the resources to be able to find people who can help me to uh, solve that problem as well. And so it's really a matter of focus for me and then having that trust to continue to see it through. So that's Fantastic. what it is. Thanks, Shandell. And yep. Hugh Jackman. Um, <laughs> is, it, is, it, is it Daniel Andrews? He's, he hasn't aged well, has he? He's aged very, very badly. Um, <laughs> It's the video quality. It's not you at all. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a poor filter. It's a poor filter. Um, <laughs> as far as uh, look, yeah, Dan Nauru, um my idea of, of hope and optimism, it, it comes from a fairly simplistic place. I've always been uh, a relatively confident guy. I was kind of raised that way, which is great. Um, but the philosophy of, well, an old 80 saying was shit happens and you've got to be able to deal with it because it always will. Um, but also the knowledge that the sun will always come up tomorrow. There's always mm -hmm. going to be a new day and with a new day, new opportunities will always come. So, and with, with my kids now, it's like, well, it's all part of the book. Bad stuff happens, but you know, in about four years down the track, you better look back on this, you'll get lessons from it. You won't know them at the time, mm -hmm. but you'll get lessons for them and maybe it'll become part of, the, part of your book of the story of your life anyway. Mm -hmm. And uh, so not, at the time when the shit does happen, getting uh, caught in it is easy enough to do. Um, mm. But the ability to know that, you know, I will go to sleep and I will wake up tomorrow and mm. it will be a new day you can start again, that kind of gets you through most things. It sounds very Pollyanna-ish, but it kind of yeah. works. Yeah, <laughs> so. no, no, no. I think there's a common theme. I, I, I love how, you know, we, as Aussies, have these sayings like, you know, shit happens is our definition of optimism, basically. So... Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well, my highbrow notion, you know. <laughs> so, Tom, have you got a story about where think, in your life you've needed to yeah. um, draw draw upon optimism to overcome an obstacle? So, in 2017, uh, my now wife came over to visit me in Canada, and what the idea was is we are going to spend the next four weeks traveling around. And then I was gonna go back to New Zealand with her. And I had applied for a partnership visa over here. It was rejected. So during our vacation, my visa is rejected and I just up and trying to get a job in the West in Canada is next to impossible. And I'm like, well, great. Well, what do I do? How do I make her enjoy her trip? And then when she goes back, what am I doing? And uh, so we, we enjoyed it as, as best we could. And then there was a point where we were close to, to breaking up because it was just, I'm in limbo. She doesn't know what to do. And she's like, well, you either come over here or, or we're done. I'm like, oh, all right, I guess I'll go over. And when I came over here, I had uh, $20 in my pocket. I, I think I got $20 in my pocket now too. <laughs> but uh, I was like, oh, I don't know what's going to go on. And we were going to apply for a visa. And but I had to wait three months and it was, well, what else could I do other than just smile the best I could? And I spent a lot of time networking. From there, I was able to get work the day I got a visa, which was absolutely fantastic for me. She basically got the job before I even got the visa. So 
I thought this was great. A few months later on though, my dad had passed and I just started a new contract and I get a text from my wife saying, you gotta come home, you gotta come home now. And um, what's going on? Then I find out my dad passed and I, I was in tears and just didn't know what to do in any way whatsoever. And I thought, I just started this new contract. I, I don't want to take a day off. Took a day and a half off and I said, okay, I'll, I'll go back into work. And, but my whole world had just kind of shattered. But the night my dad had passed, I said to my wife, okay, it's time for me to start a family. I said, mm. I, I can't wait any longer. And I said, I want a son and I want to name him after my father. And she's like, okay, we can do that. And then uh, a little after that, I'm like, all right, I gotta, I gotta pop the question here. So I gotta go talk to her dad first, because that's what my dad said. You gotta go, you gotta go talk to her dad, and ask him, you know, man to man, that you can, uh, you can do that first. So I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll go do that. And then uh, I end up popping the question on April Fool's Day, and I didn't realize what day it was, but we went. <laughs> <laughs> we uh we started looking at some different uh places to have a wedding at and one of the places uh my mom's birthday came up for an available date and i said well it's just a sign to me that uh, let's do it there the place we got married at someone else with my last name got married there before and i also found some money on the uh there and i like and there's three good things just from that. <laughs> More th good things have come up from that place too. So the lady who helped us out with our wedding, she uh, she's become a good friend of ours. And then a few months uh, ago, after our, our well, a few weeks ago after my son was born, she came over and said, uh, "You need to go talk to this lady over here." And I'm like, "Oh, why is that?" And she goes she's running a, a community group where just people come in and work for the day and she said they do for different events so I called her up and then just a week or two after that I was running my own workshop from there some of the people that I met have said okay you need to talk to this person and you can talk to this person and you can talk to these different people and this bigger network is opening up from that one event mm. and a lot of this came up after my dad had passed mm. and to me it was my dad's way of, of still being so I, I don't know what I'm doing and I don't know where mm. I'm going but I just I and I talk to the sky and I look at my dad I'm like well what am I supposed to do and uh, sometimes I'll just watch the stars and, and just wait and look and what am I doing and I'll talk to my son about uh, my father but this it gives me a lot of hope about what what's going on and i came from a very dark place where i first came here and i had nothing and now i've got my family and even still right now like it's hard that like i can't go back home but i do have my family here and my son has taken um part of my my dad's name with him and when i was born I was actually named two months before I was born. What happened was my grandfather, my dad's dad, was passing away from the hospital. And the last thing he had said to my mom was, take care of my grandson. And my mom, Tom Lesserio, 
fine. And then I was born two months on. As much as I would love to have my father with me, I love the fact that I've been able to give him, my son, um, my dad's name as well too, and just keep so many things that have come up just because I finally started to listen to my dad. It's just taken a long time. <laughs> and diff different routes that are coming where it's, uh, he's like, you need to do this. And so I, all right, uh, it was his last wishes. So I started doing those from his last wishes and all these things that have come up because I listened to him, finally. You can hear his I told you so from above. He was <laughs> probably, <laughs> <laughs> probably so it's, it's, it's like I am following his path, but a lot of what I'm trying to do with my son is just what my dad did with me. And my son will never get to meet my grandpa or his grandpa, but at least it's, I know what that's like and I can do exactly what my dad did with, with me. And that's how I'm gonna be with, with my son. But being able to look at my son and my family, it's to me blessing and when we unlocked it, be able to spend more time with my son, to, to me, it was, I was quite for that. Mm. And, uh, so I, I do have a lot of hope and opt in, in my own future. I just need mm. to listen to my dad a little bit more. <laughs> and your son's reflecting your dad in, in, you know, through what he's doing with your guidance. So it's a lovely story that thread throwing, um, flowing through, I think, as well. So, yeah, fantastic. Um, Chandel, if you're going to put you on the spot now, tell us oh, your okay. tale. Oh, okay, beautiful. Yes, well, you know, I'm, I'm sporting a magnificent mask and uh, the other day I filmed a, a video of myself wearing my mask saying, I'm so sexy for my mask. <laughs> Humor's not like <laughs> um, uh, you know, uh, um, and nor are sound effects. Otherwise, I'd do the uh, drums and cymbal. But in all seriousness, um, when I was asked to uh, consider um, one single story, I think that that was um, a, a seriously challenging uh, um, task mm -hmm. that I've been given. And, and my lesson out of that was that how lucky am I that I have so many examples of where optimism has been um, demonstrated, where hopism or hope, you know hope and 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 that idea of um, the fact that the sun comes out tomorrow. And I think what Sean said before about the um, uh, the fact that sometimes things don't work out the way that we want them to, but it really is a, a little bit of and I'm I'm paraphrasing here. I think you said that it was a blessing or you know it was another opportunity to be seen and. I'm a huge I'm a huge um, believer in the fact that often sometimes we will set out on a path and we will decide that we want something and we go out after it and there may be that pending kind of disappointment that it didn't turn out the way that we wanted it. And when I said that trust and, and those sorts of things um, were the foundation of my optimism, um, I think the story actually came from originally um, 
I, I, I went out for a previously to being an entrepreneur and having our own business and what have you. I, I you know, I went out for a job that I thought I really, really wanted. Um, and when I went out for that job, it it um it just seemed like this perfect role. It was the one that had been waiting for me. I thought that I'd been working my whole career to go for this particular role. And I went for the interview and it went so well. And, you know, I'd never been for an interview before where I, you know, I realised that, uh, you know, I didn't realise the opportunity of getting the, the, the letter of offer and starting at that, um, at that particular role. And so this was the first time that I'd actually had an experience of interviewing and doing really well for a role and then not actually getting the job. And I remember being shocked and surprised and almost had a moment where I was kind of like, huh, is that possible? Like I I'm totally read that wrong. Like I really was in disbelief about this. And, you know, I must um, pay a tribute. And so this is in part my story, but also um, like uh, Sean, I'd like to um, dedicate everything about what happens for me with my optimism to my mum. And um, this is my mum. She was the co-founder of our business and um, uh, she was my best friend. And there were so many different hats that she wore in my life. Um, and the biggest one is that she taught me how to find what we needed to see that allowed us to continue to go on. A person who dealt with a lot of health challenges, we lost her to pancreatic cancer last year. Um, and that was her third go of cancer. So she was an incredibly resilient person. Um, she built an unbelievable business while she was uh, recovering from um, a mastectomy in hospital one time. And when she came out of a nine, year, a nine hour operation, she and I went to see her in the ICU, I said, you know, how are you feeling? And she said, what songs shall we sing? Um, and, you know, she just had that kind of personality that she was always looking for. Where can we create the fun out of this really lousy situation? Or where is the opportunity for us to see the blessing in this or whatever it may be? And so as I dedicate my mindset towards having solid focus and having solid trust, my mum really helped me to be able to develop those skills from a very young age. And so when I was declined from this particular job interview, um, my mum turned around and said, you know, I'm sure there's a reason. And that's all she said, you know, don't worry, I'm sure there's a reason I can feel it. And I always trusted when she said things like that. And that's how I built my own trust. And surely enough, you know, about three weeks later, I got a phone call from um, uh, the recruitment person and they told me that they really liked me for that role, but they actually weren't allowed to talk about an even better one that they had in that same company. And so I was actually hired for an even more perfect role than the one that I thought was my perfect role um, a short few weeks after. And so um, I think that it's really difficult when you're in the thick of the disappointment that's going on to be able to see that perhaps there is a purpose that we don't recognize yet. And so for me, uh, that's why I say that I always trust that there is another plan. And even if I don't understand why I'm not getting what I want right now, I know that there's something potentially even better coming if I look for it. Mm. So it's, it's sometimes a bit of a trigger to look for something else, isn't it? Do you know what yeah. I mean? It's, yeah. I think it's also sometimes being patient um, to, you know, if you if you trust the universe, you have faith um, and you're confident as well. It's sometimes just being patient um, and realizing that, you know, that will happen. And I think it's also um, the internal self-talk to realize that this is, how do you want to make this moment? Do you want to make this moment horrible or do you want to make this moment meaningful? 
Um, yes. and how do you carry yourself in that process for it to actually stay in a positive state for all the positive energy to come around to you? Mm, absolutely. Interesting. Mr. Jackman. Okay. This is going to haunt me for a while, isn't it? But anyway, um, yeah, look, I'm, I'm going to say I'm, I'm kind of writing mine now um, as, as we go. Uh, look, I've been, uh, I'll say, lucky enough to have been made redundant a few times uh, in my career. I'll say lucky because mm. most time or every other time so far, it's led to something bigger and better. Um, mm. The two times ago, it, uh, really it really hit me hard it wasn't a uh it wasn't one of the one of my proudest moments at the time um i struggled with it uh because it came out of the blue i didn't see it coming um this last time that happened in march i'd say you know you'd read the writing on the wall we'd seen COVID coming where where my position was made perfect sense that if something did happen it would happen to me first and mm. it did so I'm optim having to stay opti optimistic i've got you know, three young kids well not young kids anymore three kids at home now um they're watching how i'm reacting how i've reacted mm. to, to it they're seeing some of the plans i've put into place what we're what i'm trying to do to uh get to the next stage being active I haven't been able to sit down and watch an episode of anything on Netflix during the day. I haven't given myself the opportunity to do that, to show them. Mm. And this is what was big for my sanity as to be almost a case study for them going forward that we do understand that, as we said before, shit happens, and it's how we deal with it that kind of counts. And if you go into yeah. your shell and just go, oh, woe is me and wallow, which is easy enough to do, uh, it doesn't take a lot to get to that space. Um, but they're seeing now that... I'm just not making it up sitting on my computer watching clips of cats and things like that. We're mm. seeing things come out the other side because of the work we're putting in. So hopefully my goal from this is, and is that I'm giving them some lessons of mm. of how to, to deal with stuff when they get a little bit older. Um because all the lessons uh and as Tom said were, were from my parents. Mm. Um yeah. you know, how they dealt with stuff. The reason I wanted to get into HR to start off with was which I ended up not doing HR because I don't have the empathy levels for that, I suppose. Uh, <laughs> my dad had been working for the same place for 30 odd years and he got a redundancy, which was just a pink slip in his, in his locker. And it really hit his sense of self. Um, mm. And one of the first and only times I, I saw the, the, the old bloke cry was mm. because it actually took away his whole sense of self. Um, I said to him, I was like, how did you work at the same place for 30 odd years? And he goes, well, what choice did I have? I had a family, mm. I had this, this is what I knew, this is what I did. That's fine. Um, but he got on, head down, bum up, kept going to work, kept getting stuff done. That's what we've got to do here as well, work through it. And as you said, you'll come out the other side, you look back and go, oh, yeah, it wasn't so bad. It was crap, but it wasn't so bad. <laughs> and uh, but that, that's, the, that's that's what I'm trying to get to, and that's that's what we're, I'm trying to show the kids and stuff as well. Mm. Well, certainly, you know, just with how you show up on LinkedIn, it's obvious that you've got a really positive attitude and, you know, you've come on our show at a drop of a hat as well to share share stuff, even though, um, you know, it's been tough for you. So well, you get to choose your attitude, don't you? Um, yeah. And I read somewhere once that your attitude's contagious. Is yours worth, is yours worth catching? I actually wrote that above the team once. 
because they'll, they'll come in and talk about their weekend and, and stuff like that. Honestly, what it's, yes, we'll be empathetic and I don't really care, get your job done. And uh, we'll talk about that stuff afterwards. But, you know, and that's the same thing. No one else, don't let the, bug, the buggers see you sweat too. It's the other thing. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Shan, we will also want to hear another story from you too. But before I, I want to share a story of, you know, one of my client. Um, uh, I used to work in an occupational rehab place where we work primarily with people who sustained workplace injuries and horrific sometimes workplace injuries. In particularly, I saw a person who was in a, in a absolutely horrific motorbike accident and that put him not just you know through various operations but he also had acquired brain injury what it meant is that he had to relearn a lot of lot of gross motor skills and a lot of the other things that we take for granted and i think i when i saw him uh, you know after he was going through massive you know mental health challenges so he had a 12 year of gap like it, you know you can massive gap that you can see you know, but he would he would show up. He would show up with his partner, and we would be sitting down there. But every conversation that I had with him, there was something that he would bring to the to the discussion. He was not not at all creeping and complaining about the twelve year that he lost, but what he could do now. I would sometimes feel so small, you know, compared to what how you know generous and how you know you know how big thinker he was. Uh, you know, and he, he did not, you know, going through the mental health challenges was massive for him that he could not even drive because, you know, of the post-traumatic stress, you know, he would, could not, so he would take a taxi, would never miss an, any appointment with me. And, you know, funnily enough, you'd be surprised he got a job after 12 years of unemployment gap in two months of time once we started to work together. It was mm -hmm. just like, you know, and, and he, once he calls and says, Nishan, I got a job, like, Everything that I uh, that I've done with him, you know, it just makes sense. But the the amount of uh, you know the effort and the amount of hope that this person was hanging by was absolutely incredible. I would people would I've I've seen people will just give up. Uh, you know, I you know a lot of the times I have also given up. But I think I you know there's something very very like deep down. You know, you, you know you could not move this guy. Uh, you know, even after 12 years and even after what the horrific injuries that he has gone through. And that stuck with me forever that, you know, how he would show up, how he would talk and how he would be engaged in the whole discussion. So that's what I, I believe. You know, I did not have a lot of definition of hope and optimism, but he was hanging in, you know, despite of every bit of challenges that he had. Um, so yeah, so that was uh, you know, something that I really wanted to share as part of this. Sean, tell us about another tale and then we will take another round of questions and KB, you also get ready with another tale of optimism. Nesha, thank you for, for sharing that story um, in regards to, you know, when you have accidents and things. I um, It just makes me kind of recall an incident in my 20s when I had a head-on collision with a truck. And you know, people were surprised that I actually survived. And I think when we when we compare an analogy of, for example, when we've been in an accident and we are scared to get back behind the wheel and to drive again, what drives us or what motivates us to sort of 
overcome our fear is probably necessity. And I think one of, one of the differences is that where we're talking about hope and optimism, some of us are driven by necessity. But I think what you want to do is move from survival to thriving. So it's not just about surviving, it's about thriving, which is really not about a need, but really a want and to realize the power of, of hope and optimism as well to attract what it is that we want. And, you know, the first thing that's important is to have that wish. And that wish is for something that is, it might be an outcome, or that wish could be for what is a feeling. Um, and it's, it's interesting for me going through, let's say, the current stage of becoming an empty nester in December and then moving into, and, you know, being separated and, and divorced and then moving into um, the COVID isolation and then losing your job as well, where social isolation is total isolation. Mm-hmm. Um, some people would call it loneliness, but I decided to call it my eat, pray, love moment. And to realize that what is the, you know, if I think about loss, I think about, I think about loneliness and loneliness leads me to thinking about loss. But what do I want to feel? I want to feel connection and abundance. And I want to feel um, like I'm, I'm actually thriving through this moment. So I was actually able to reframe that in my mind with hope and optimism to my solitude. And it's interesting that I've always wanted to participate in the 10-day Vipassana, which is the 10-day silence meditation. But what always stopped me was the ability to leave the world behind. And I've always wanted to imagine what if you could be stranded on Gilligan's Island and stranded on an island, and what would you take? And man, what a great holiday I would have. Um, why not imagine that in this moment? Why must it feel like a tragedy for you to see it as a tragedy that you overcome? Why can't it be a situation that's an opportunity for you to pursue what you've always wanted to do? Um, so for me, you know, I think, and like Chandel said, there are so many stories of where of hope and optimism that I can share. But I think for me that the critical is, what is the feeling that I want to have and how do I go forward in that feeling where actually that feeling is a positive one of thriving, of wanting, not just one where I'm overcoming something. And it's a really uh, interesting way to look at, you know, the period of isolation as well. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, it's bad, it's negative, but there's also this gap that's opened up where you can, you can experiment and decide, you know, feel what that feels like for yourself to do these things and yep. you know it's almost a time that we've got some permission to do some of the things that we've thought about doing and, and you know not not done before but I, I like what you like I like what you say because I, I often go with this sort of deep broader vision that I have of this sense of something that's going to be it's going to look like this I don't know what the mechanics of it are but I know that it kind of looks in this shape and, and this form and it's never ever ever um, done me wrong in terms of you know, a, a direction as well. So, yeah. And Carolyn, permission is an interesting word that you've used. And I think one of the things that I like to differentiate hope and optimism from is resilience. Mm-hmm. Um, 
because I find with resilience and also the way that culturally that we've been reared from our parents is um, strength mm. and courage. And as much as that's important, I think in, in hope and optimism, we also need to realise that we have the permission to be vulnerable, mm. but still have belief and faith that will be, will be held. Mm. And I, I make this point because I think it's a really important point for men, especially, because mm. we will often show up as courageous and keeping the shit together um, instead of realising that the shit really stinks and it really does give stomach cramps and I'll acknowledge them. Mm. <laughs> Sorry for the... Um, yeah, no, no, it's a great analogy. I'm just carrying on with the Aussie analogy here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, it is. A, it is. It takes a lot of courage to be like. What have I started? <laughs> <laughs> we have a great following. <laughs> but, but um, you know, all jokes aside, I think that the message that I'm, I'm trying to convey here is that we really need to encourage. Just because it's hope and optimism, it doesn't mean that you you are able. You know, wear the mask on your face and hide mm -hmm. your emotions. We need to encourage the fact that there is hard work and grit and perseverance that's needed, but it's still with a lot of um, emotions of fear and uncertainty and concern and vulnerability that um, go hand in hand. Mm. All right. Uh, you know, yeah, so we got good comments, you know, uh, I think uh, Balin says, I think most of the time it's the future worries that affect the present happiness. Absolutely. My lovely wife says that I believe in life, everything happens for a reason. Absolutely, darling. That's, <laughs> uh, you know, Balin also says we must live in the present, uh, though we continue to plan in the future, but we must know not everything is under control. And I think, you know, the control part is something that is being tested in this uh, you know, in this isolation or whatever that we say, you know, you know, currently, and I think even last week's last week, there was something was in our control and this week it's not there. So I think, you know, you know, especially if, if you look at just on the, from the prism of the people whose jobs being impacted heavily in this, I think for them, it's just too difficult to fathom this unpredictability, isn't it? So, you know, if I can sort of, you know, draw upon Dan's, Yon and Shondell and then Tom, your experience, how do do people deal with this, this letting go control? Because then there's a economic priority also, right? Then you are also under this tremendous pressure as then, you know, you've got three, you know, kids to, you know, to you know, schooling and then, you know, their programs and Sydney, you don't, you know, particularly have any restrictions. So I, I think there are a lot of lot of other priorities that the parents have to be have to consider. So what are your kind of experiences with this then? Look, lots of control. You you learn that when you first have kids. You used to be structured, everything's going to the force. They don't they don't know what your spreadsheet says when they're supposed to nap. Um, <laughs> if they do, they don't really care. Um, they're gonna, when they're going to do it when they want to do it, and you can work around them. Um, so that, I mean, sleep deprived. I feel you, Tom. But, um, you know, it's, it's just how it was. And yeah, the, the lack of control, the, 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 the ability to just go, yeah, it's the way it is. There's two different sides. Intellectually, you know, yep, that's, that's, that's cool. Emotionally, it gets a little bit different. So with COVID and people getting let go and stuff, you know, emotionally, it's not just you. 
you know, there's hundreds of thousands in a similar, if not worse, situation than you. Um, emotion doesn't always match up with it. So dealing with the emotions that go with it is more of a challenge than the, the intellectual side of it. Um, having a good support base around you to continuously remind you that you're not that special, that's happening to everyone, um, bring you back in, and out of your, your dark places is, is pretty important. Absolutely. If I, if I can add to that, I, I think you were coming to me, Nash, is that right? Or did you want to comment on that first? Uh, I, I think if I can add to that and, and the idea of the control, speaking to what you said about the emotions don't always match up with, you know, the belief system that we need to let it go. And I, I think, you know, control and, and, and um uh, the idea of control often appears in extremes for a lot of people. It's either I need to have all the control or, you know, screw this, I'm, I can't have control, so let's just let it all go and kind of not care at all. And so we've got these two extremes and, you know, people talk about moderation, they talk about, you know, all of those sorts of things and then often or discipline and that often brings up this idea that, oh, well, I need to deprive myself of feeling my emotions or I need to pretend that it's not there or whatever it might be. And I, I think that the middle ground is just so important. I've been talking to a lot of people about the current situation and the middle ground. It's okay to have the emotions and to acknowledge them. What are you going to do with the fact that you actually feel that way, what's the next action and how are we setting up around what's within my control and how can I walk the middle ground appreciating that sometimes I'll have more control and other times I'll need to be a bit more flexible but rather than oscillating from all or nothing to actually walk the middle ground and appreciate your emotions. And look, I, I do a lot of work with people with their subconscious minds and generally our emotions are our subconscious mind's way of being able to tell us that something's wrong. And the more we try and deny it, the more we actually bring the uh, velocity of that emotion. And uh, and I think sometimes the simple process of actually saying, you know what, right now, that thing that's just happening, I feel really angry about it. And then saying, all right, so I've kind of acknowledged that. And now what am I going to do to actually get myself out of that or learn something? How am I going to change my state? And you know, the truth about letting things go is that if I'm holding this pencil, then I have to hold it before I can actually literally put it down. So you know, sometimes you just need to hold it, look at it, put it down, and move forward. So that, that's my thoughts on control. Walk the middle ground. Tom, Eddie, you're ahead. Things that has come. Okay. And there has been a bigger awareness on on mental well-being. And like a few months ago, if you said to someone, uh, I'm depressed or I'm feeling anxious, they might have been like, oh, well, I don't really want to deal with that or talk to you about that. And now it's been a bigger thing where it's you know i'll talk to my boss and say i'm like look uh i'm just having a really difficult time right now and yeah okay no worries or he'll tell me what's going on in his life as well too so some people are sharing things a lot more where it's before i did not want to talk about these aspects and now it's people are like hey uh, are you doing okay and they actually mean are you doing okay not just that oh it's monday morning i gotta ask how they're doing it's, hey, it's how was the weekend? Oh, right, you know, 
<laughs> yeah, and now it's we're actually asking people how they are because of these, how everybody's feeling. And it's just, it's good that we're starting to have these kinds of conversations and not just going to the bathroom to cry for five minutes. <laughs> All right, uh, KB, anything uh, you want to finish? Can I would just like to add, yes, please, sure. I think it's um, when we talk about optimism, one of the, the critical definitions of whether you're being optimistic or pessimistic is that in, in being optimistic, you do believe that you have the ability to control the situations or the, to have control. Now, you may not be able to control a certain part of that situation but as Chandel said you know if you learn to um, walk the middle ground and if you actually get in touch with the emotion that you're feeling as Tom said you know if you actually say how you're feeling but even when you're saying how you're feeling if you actually dig deeper beyond the initial emotional I'm feeling annoyed I'm feeling angry or I'm feeling frustrated but actually what are you really that negative feeling that you've got what is that concern really about you'll actually realize that you'll state the actual area that you want to have control over. And often that area is separate to the trigger that you think you don't have control over. But what you want to control, there is still some facet of control that you can have. And it's with hope and optimism that you can actually solve problems, that you can actually start thinking of, of solutions and not just keep ruminating about the thing that fucked it all, right? So excuse the language. but. So there is actually, if you are going to be optimistic, the realization is that you do have control and that's why you believe that you can do something about it. Absolutely. Kibi. Um, I don't really have that much to add because I think everybody's articulated it um, uh, really well. I think, um, you know, people do feel emotions, but we don't really have a great language for those i think you always say you know i'm feeling sad i'm feeling anxious i'm feeling depressed it doesn't quite describe those sort of those waves and the, the way that that might take and and sometimes i think just sitting there and actually letting yourself feel that and not not you know i, I know my my personality is i tend to bury these things and go it's bad to feel that way you know and then there's so to actually just it's okay you know it's okay to feel you know, summarizing it up to being totally, you know, feeling like crap or just feeling like you can't get out of bed for a while or you just want to sit and, you know, look at the, 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 the window. But that's all okay. And I think, you know, um, I, I think we need to just be okay with not being okay as well because, like, I think as you should have said it, the more you bury, the less, you know, the, the, the harder the explosion, the bigger the explosion if you can continue to do that. So, and... You know, that's, I, I still hold that to be an optimistic belief as well. It's just, it, it is what it is. And I, hear, I keep hearing people say at this moment, it is what it is. And I think that's this level of acceptance that this will play out in whatever way it plays out. And um, it's just really focusing on, well, what am I doing with it? You know, because I can't control what comes out of Dan Andrews' mouth tomorrow or, you know, what, what's, what's the next stage? So as much as I'd like to. <laughs> yeah. 
I think it's it's a process of grief that people are going through, you know, and and you know we don't just grieve when we lose a loved one. There's a grief of you know things that we thought were certain and things that we thought were controlled. And I just add something uh, that I saw on social media. I posted it a couple of uh, years ago and it came back up in my Facebook feed. And it says, you know, dear pessimist and optimist, while the two of you were arguing about whether the glass was half full or half empty. I went and drank it, so sincerely <laughs> the opportunist. Uh, and I just think that that's so, uh, you know, relevant to what we're saying here because there's always an opportunity to find something that's going to bring yeah. us joy. And so, yeah. Chantelle, that's like a poster on my kitchen wall that says it doesn't matter if your glass is half full or half empty, there's definitely more room for more wine. Before this is some open optimism, we will wrap this up. Look, uh, Tom, thank you very much uh, for joining us from New Zealand, a place that we all envy. Uh, you know, you know, Hugh Jackman or Dan, you know, thank you very much. Sean Bell, as always, a pleasure. And Sean, thank you very much for being part of this this you know this celebration that we are putting in uh you know to celebrate our 100 week which is an ego inflating uh discussion altogether but at the same time it also serves a purpose as well so thank you very much again uh everyone uh, for being so generous and so open to share some of the things that you know shondell shran tom and then you know because i i think you know you know, it is this it is this um, you know vulnerability that we are all showing as a collective. Uh, you know, is making a difference. I think to to people where they can see that you know they are not all all the time. You know, they, they are people who feel uh, you know compassion who are vulnerable also. So thank you very much again, everyone, and um, for the listeners or watchers, we'll be back tomorrow again. We are still. Uh, you know, caring with our Marvel theme, we will be seeing tomorrow with the the reincarnation of the Fantastic Four, and we are having optimistic for tomorrow. So we have three of our listeners joining us. You know, Amit, Lahiri, and Karthik, <laughs> and we also have Shamila. She is the founder of Herwit. So we'll be joining you tomorrow, 3 p.m. If you are in Victoria, mask up. If you are lucky as Dan. You don't need to worry. I'm in Melbourne, mate. Like Tom. Melbourne, are Yeah. Ah. And if you are, if you are like Tom, you can go anywhere you want. You know. No, no. Excellent. All right. See you later, everyone. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the Your Career Down Under show. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you want to know more about how Your Career Down Under can help you, please reach out to us on www.yourcareerdownunder.com.au And if you have got a question about today's episode or if you want us to do a particular show on a particular topic, please reach out to us. We would love to do that. Until next time, be well.